You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Let's roll, Daddy-O. Ed, my friend, sitting down here on my nine-foot homemade oak bar, how many games do you honestly, I mean, not looking at stats, not uh, not trying to break down probabilities, like with no real technical, you know, wisdom behind it, how many games do you think Tony LaRussa is either won or lost for the White Sox? Like, if I, if I put a gun to your head and said, guess how many games you think that Tony LaRussa is either help the team win like is he a plus or a minus and by how many games like just just what would you say he's a minus for the 2021 season yeah but i mean like how many games like what do you think he's down by i know of three i know of three that i can point to okay but do do you think he's won any games like has he done something that he's won like you can make the argument where he has that game where he puts in larry garcia against all conventional wisdom and it was the doubleheader and garcia goes off for the two games and he finds a way to get him into the lineup, even though Madrigal have been red hot. Like, maybe, just maybe I'll give him one game there. So you're saying he lost three. I'll give him one back. Let's say he's a negative two right now. Uh, yeah, I can I can, I can, can roll with that. I can, I can spot him one where he made a lineup decision that worked out right. that we're never going to be able to know whether or not it's true or not, but we'll, we'll give him one. But I'm not, I'm not going to give him, like, any penalty for bullpen implosions. Where, you know, you expect Aaron Bummer to come out and do well and he doesn't. Or Liam Hendricks gives up a home run when he's yeah, the Liam best. Yeah, Liam Hendricks blowing right. saves. That's not on Tony. Yeah. I, I, I gave him, the only bullpen implosion game I gave him is the Matt Foster game. Where he left Foster out there to rot for no appreciable reason. Right. And then I would think the Giolito start, right? Where he made him go too late into the game. Yeah. You, you yes. probably put that one, you hang that one on Tony. And are you hanging the one now recently where he forgets the rules of baseball? Yes, I am hanging that one on him. Not just because he had Hendricks out there running at second base instead of Abreu, but also because of the way that inning was managed in terms of what the hitters did behind Hendricks being on base. Okay, and there are going to be people that are going to say, well, hold on a second. You know, there's no guarantee they win that game anyway. Sure, fine. But there's there's also, I think, the fact that he can't win an extra inning game. He doesn't seem to understand the strategy of it. We could actually add more losses to him. So I think a negative two. Is, is pretty reasonable right now to yes. say that's what Tony La Russa is. That's about what Rick Renteria was last year at this point. We we on Sox in the Basement actually analyzed each and every game because it was a shortened season. It was 60 games. And the idea was we we tried to break down the, the Rick factor. And we had Renteria at negative two at this point. Which is funny because the season hadn't even started at this point. So he just walked into the season as a negative two. <laughs> I'm just saying this many games in, you goof. All right, so, so here's, the, here's the thing. It's it, he's pretty much Renteria right now. Like that that's the thing that I think aggravates White Sox fans the most. Let, you know, get out of the way the fact that you're angry about how he was hired. I don't think anybody can dispute the fact that nobody in the organization wanted this man to be the manager with the exception of the guy that writes all the checks. The the rich and powerful owner that makes moves that make him happy that has never Ever, and I don't care how many of these glad-handing yes-men that he has in his propaganda machine that are scattered throughout Chicago media, 
that uh, that he has working for him that sit around and talk about how much he wants to win and how he's the greatest owner ever. He is a poor baseball owner. He has had this organization now for 40 years, four decades, mm-hmm. just about. He has one pennant that happened to come along with a World Series. He had an amazing, incredible, top-notch chance to get a second one in 1994, but he actually led the charge towards a strike. He, yeah, he, he was, the strike was his baby. He was front and center on the owner's side of that. He has so much culpability and blame for it. And over 40 years, he could have at least had two pennants and two and, and maybe a second World Series, but he only has one over 40 years. Like if you, if you think about like what happens one day when he passes away, well, what if we get a worse owner? Could you get much worse than just like one pennant in 40 years? First of all, stop saying how, how he's a great owner. Secondly, he makes his decisions based upon what makes him happy. He doesn't care about you and me. We've talked about this on the show. He does not care about you and me or anybody else that walks into his ballpark. He cares about making money. And maybe in his later years, he wants to win. But at this point, he's kind of surrounded himself with a bunch of people that give him bad advice. And when he does get good advice, when he when he gets this assistant general manager that somehow gets himself into the general manager's position, and Rick Hahn is not a perfect person. Now, he's not made all the right decisions. But for a long time, nobody looked at how baseball was turning into a, you might need to start with young talent. Guys develop differently. We have to look at things differently. The White Sox were so far behind in that. It was like a lost decade before this rebuild began. And then he finally gets to do it and he gets to the end of it and he's ready to go. Everybody in the organization seems to know that he, that he wants AJ Hinch, right? There's a list out that's circulating amongst the media. I've talked to several media members. There was a list that was getting passed around where there was a legitimate group that he wanted to go and talk to. Tony LaRusso wasn't on it, right? The owner stepped in and hired his buddy. All right, fine. All of that aside, the fact that he can't even do better than the guy that you fired. The fact that we're basically treading water in terms of leadership on the team is really scary to me. I, I, like, I feel like this team is a playoff team, no doubt about it. I feel like Tony might actually win him some games. Ricky did that. But you're not getting really a Hall of Fame manager here. He might have been a Hall of Fame manager. But there's nothing he's done over the first month or so that makes me feel like we have any kind of high caliber manager that's that's manning this thing. I feel like... You, you know, if if he turned around tomorrow and said, I'm done with this, I'm done with being criticized, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm leaving. And they just had to pick some guy to be the manager. If they had to go to like a like a bench coach, if they called up A.J. Pierzynski or Paul Canerco and were like, we just want to have a friendly face, guide the team to the, to the rest of the year. Or Ozzie Guillen comes up, Ozzie Guillen coming out of the booth would be an improvement. Yes. He was always, he was a better strategic manager than Tony La Russa is now. You, you know, I'm not saying he was better than Tony in his prime. But Ozzie Guillen would have a better chance coming out of retirement and being a manager right now than what we have in Larusa, and I don't even know if that's the guy I want. Like I, you, you, there's there's a lot of arguments against him. But the thing is, is that I feel like there would be a smorgasbord of people that you could bring in that could at least do what Tony's doing right now. I don't think there's there's anything special or unique about what he's doing. And like we talked about before, with Robert getting injured and now Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert out, he's got to really manage now. He's got to create runs. He's got to he's got to be able to find a way when there's situations to win that game. He's got to win that one run game. He has a great influence on a lot of things. He doesn't have an influence on every game. Players still have to play, but you're going to need those those moments that that really matter throughout the season. You're going to need somebody who actually is going to make a good decision. 
I've lost all confidence in that. And I was one of the people sitting there saying, don't be hard on the guy. He's, he's you know, he's older. But, I mean, he's, he, he can't, can't have lost it all. And that, that's kind of how I feel right now. I think it's a fair feeling. I, I and, and what you hope is, is that it's the first month of his first season back in 11 years and that he's going to get himself into a rhythm. And what you hope is that it's not something where his in-game decision-making turns out to be what Ricky would have done or things like that, because at least Renteria understood how to develop the young players and try and use the young players. Tony hasn't shown that either, which worries me with somebody like Andrew Vaughn. But where I, I see the game, that extra inning game where he starts Hendricks on second, doesn't know the rule, what's lost in there, and I, and I got into a, a little bit of a text argument with some other fans about this, was what's lost in there is who comes up after him. And once Yasmani Grandal walked, why do you not have Larry Garcia trying to lay down a bunt to get those two guys over to second and third? And then you have Billy Hamilton up, and Hamilton could potentially try and squeeze, even with Hendricks running, he could potentially try a squeeze, or all he has to do is get the ball reasonably deep into the outfield, just something, right? And it's it's a completely different inning. Instead, you've got Larry hitting away. He ends up forcing out Grandal. Then he tries to steal second. Now you got Hamilton trying to hit, get a two-out hit. Billy Hamilton's not the guy you want why, there. Why was he stealing? What was the point of the steal there? How did you accomplish anything in that? Who's making Who's making those decisions? Because even if, with Billy Hamilton at the plate, frankly, even if he's going to ground into what could be a double play, I would take my chances that Hamilton's going to beat that out at first and that in the wash of trying to get two, Hendricks can trot home even though he's a, a relief pitcher, that he's enough of an athlete to get home, to get 90 feet, while a shortstop or a second baseman are trying to turn two in the middle of the infield on Billy Hamilton, who is supposedly one of the fastest guys to ever lace him up in a major league uniform. Who's his bench coach? Isn't the idea of the bench coach he's supposed to be there in his ear? Where, where's Miguel Cairo at during that thing? Where's Cairo at? Where's Super Joe at? Where's you know where's anybody at that point? It, what if they are saying something? Or what if they do know? Like, because of the fact that the owner stepped in and put his friend in charge, like, if he wants something from Jerry, he don't he doesn't go to Rick, all right? He doesn't go to Han. He doesn't go to Kenny. He just he just talks to his buddy. So it, is it possible that something was said to Tony, and in the process of trying to explain to this guy that he didn't know what was the hell was going on, some, you know, he just gives somebody a look, and they're like, well, man, I'll be out the door. You can't yell at the boss. Like, I mean, are they afraid to say something to him? I mean, either A, everybody on the bench is incompetent, or B, they don't feel comfortable telling him that he's wrong. Which one's worse? Which one's worse in that situation? Would you rather would you rather find out that Miguel Cairo doesn't know his ass from his elbow either? Or that he's sitting there just yes-manning Tony La Russa? Ed, I want to real quick remind people that when you're heading down to the ballpark, one of the best places to go out and get yourself a cold beer before and after the game or heck, during the game, a, a road game, head up there and get that ballpark feel at Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd and Princeton. When I go through the menu, I, I look at things every time that I do this and I go to myself like fried Cajun pickles. Ooh. Sure, that sounds with like a garlic sauce. Like that sounds like something I would want to start off with. Okay. And then let's say I decide I want to get myself some wings. They've got an array of sauces that they bring out if you want to get yourself some wings. Or maybe I go to the pulled pork. Maybe I go get myself an Italian sausage or a Vienna beef because the food selection and the prices can't be beat. 
You can walk into the ballpark, try to figure out like the whole thing that they're doing right now with the, uh, you can go in this section, you can't go into this section, or you can know right then and there, here's my food, I'm going to eat, and then I'm heading into the ballpark, okay? They got the world-famous burgers, an incredible lineup. Check them out, and remember, you can rent the place out for watch parties and other events, cork and carry at thepark.com. Calm. I was flipping through all these different things that people have put out there and proposed. We get people to send us stuff all the time. Remember, you can go to the new socks in the basement.com website and there's a little blue microphone there. Click on it. You can leave us a voicemail. You can hit us up on social media. Some people have found me on on Facebook and I'm not going to become Facebook friends with strangers. I hope you understand that. You know, I mean, I, I need a little privacy for my kids and my wife. But uh, I will talk to people through Facebook Messenger. It's kind of funny. Like some people have like reached out and they'll ask me a question. I'll just accept it. And I'll just be like, yeah, sure. That's what I think. You know, I have no problem doing that. Sure. But I've had some people like throw things out to me. And one of the things that was thrown out recently was right now, would you trade a guy like Garrett Crochet for a Joey Gallo? And I've never been a big fan of Gallo because I don't like, he's like a three true outcome guy. And I hate those guys. Like I want Mm -hmm. guys that can also get the, put the ball in play and don't go through these streaky things and everything like that. But I do like the idea of, I would move a Garrett Crochet if the right guy came along with the White Sox believed in to put in the outfield right now. I really would. It's weird to me, but I would do that. I like Garrett Crochet. I think he's going to be a really good starter. But then when I sit around and I look at, um, I, I look at how Cease is pitching and I look at Kopech's going to be a star. You you have Giolito for a while here. so that, And that's a, that's a nice threesome that you have. You got Keiko signed for a little while here. And you could always make that trade and sign Lance Lindo an extension. Or... Carlos Rodondo, an extension for that matter. I never thought I would say that. In fact, I, know, I feel a little crazy. funny and I might have to go punch myself, but you could extend Carlos Rodon. Right, exactly. But I mean, like, that's a guy that I would, I, you know, that's the kind of guy that the Sox are going to probably end up having to trade, I would think. They have to trade somebody high end. I would almost rather give him away than go down and grab a guy like Jared Kelly, who still is three years away, but he's like, he's your safety net if all of a sudden Lucas decides he's not signing a, a new contract when he finally is up for one or, you know, somebody gets injured or whatever. I mean, like, you have talent down there. You don't want to just clean out the minor leagues and he's one of your your higher-end talents. But I could see a team sitting there saying we want a, a Garrett Crochet and if the White Sox really want to get, like, I mean, that might be the guy you got to trade for a Mitch Haniger if it came along. I mean, the Seattle's talking about bringing, Seattle's talking about bringing up Jared Kalenic very soon. Now, Hanniger's very good, but they've got more outfielders than they know what to do with. They also know that the White Sox are in deep trouble. And so you're going to have to pay a, a higher price, even if you wait to like a month or so from now when, when, and when you've convinced people, hey, look, we're doing just fine without one, but by the way, can we have this player, but don't hold this up for too much. Like at some point, you're going to overpay a little bit. So it, it, it's it's curious to me, the the narrative of we, we got to wait to make sure the price comes down. But then you're so much closer to having the two guys back that are going to move into the outfield anyway. It's one of those things I haven't been able to wrap my mind around. Like right now, if all of a sudden somebody was like, we're willing to trade you this player and we want a guy like Garrett Crochet and you could help yourself for the next three, four months, I'd do it, wouldn't you? Um, yes, I would. And and I think I think there's two fallacies at play here with, with replacing Robert in the lineup. One is this idea that if you wait closer to the trade deadline – or closer to the All-Star game, the price is going to somehow come down. I don't think it's going to be the case because the only way it comes down is if the Sox don't need to make a trade, but if they don't need to make a trade, then why would they make a trade? Right. So it's it's this circular logic where you're sitting there going, okay, well, the Marlins aren't going to trade you, say, Corey Dickerson now for cheap, 
but they'll do it in July, you know, or they'll do it in June when the, you know, when they're a little bit more established, whether or not they're in it. Okay. I can see that. Or, you know, when you've had a chance to prove and sit there and go, Oh, well, I, I don't necessarily need to make a trade. I mean, if Luis Gonzalez comes up, if they call him up and throw him in center field every day, and all of a sudden he's hitting 300 and stealing a bunch of bases and is totally balanced out the lineup. Why, why, why would you trade Garrett Crochet for anybody at that point? Unless his name is Mike Trout, you wouldn't do it. So, but for right now, if Garrett Crochet got them a guy a real Mitch Hanniger is a good name. Um, you know, but if they got, if they got a real, if they got a real legitimate corner outfielder or better yet center fielder and it costs some crochet. And this is a guy that then also makes it so that you don't have to rush back Robert or have to rush back Jimenez at the end of the season. If they're, we've been talking like, optimistically that their timeline is going to be the lower end of things. But if they have a setback, I mean, Adam Engel just had a setback on a hamstring and it's going to cost them an extra month. You know, these two guys are having surgery. So if they can create that depth now and they can cover up for that in the bullpen and, and yes, crochet is a weapon and I, I would hate to see him go, but if that fixes the lineup, I think you do it. Now, Joey Gallo, I'm with you. I wouldn't trade Garrett crochet for Joey Gallo. I don't, I don't think Gallo helps that much what about a guy ed that i like here's the thing i he's just a guy i've followed i find him to be a very interesting player he's capable of playing left field and center field he hits the ball very well and he's a little bit he's controllable right now and he's on a team that just wants is is really starting from scratch why wouldn't why wouldn't you be knocking on the door right now of the of the pirates for brian reynolds and asking for brian reynolds and 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 you are going to have to give up like get crochet and you're probably going to have to throw in a couple of other prospects. But I went back, I was out, out of curiosity. I went back and I looked at what their GM Ben Charrington has done with an owner that is atrocious in Bob Nutting. <laughs> yes. Like I asked at the beginning of this show, what is worse than Jerry Reinsdorf? That might be worse. That, that, that's <laughs> that's okay, your that's, answer right there. That, that's your answer right there. Okay. And, and you look at what he's doing. He's not even getting like top 100 MLB prospects or guys that are in the top four or five of an organization's minor league system when he's trading players right now. He's going for numbers and not talent. He's going for more players because he's throwing stuff at the wall. Like you can tell that they're almost setting themselves up to almost be like the Rays. And they 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 have to keep things cheap. They're not going to be able to resign anybody. Like there's a new way of thinking out there. And a lot of other teams have taken advantage of it and gotten some nice players that they've already picked up off of their team that they've gone out and grabbed. I mean, they gave away Josh Bell. Oh, yeah. Josh Bell had control. And all they gave up for him was 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 a, a couple of players that were nowhere near the MLB top 100 pipeline thing. Look at what they got back from Musgrove from San Diego. Would you trade, uh, let's say, Crochet and two guys that are in the bottom half of the top 30 of the White Sox prospect list right now for Brian Reynolds? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would I would do I that. I think you could do it. Like, I mean, like, that's the kind of team whose door that you got to be knocking on right now. I wonder if we're just so in love with what we have that we don't want to give any of it away. You know, like, did, did, did the Tatis thing make it really hard for Han to give up anybody? That, I, I feel like there is a little Fernando Tatis Jr. PTSD for Rick Han. I, I really do. I, I, I Even his comment about, Weighing whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze when he said that about trying to make a trade, you do wonder when he's sitting there saying, we don't want to mortgage our future. 
that he wouldn't trade somebody like Garrett Crochet that he considers to be a huge part of the future. But then when you bring up something like the Pirates, where they're going for quantity over quality, you you do kind of wonder, are there guys in the White Sox system that are really just not going to have any opportunity here that you could package together? Would the Pirates consider Ronaldo Lopez, Sebi Zavala, and one of these outfielders that is not getting a chance right now with Robert Down and either Blake Rutherford or... Uh, you know, even Gonzalez or, 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 you know, consider Gavin Sheets, who you don't know if he's going to be anything now that Andrew Vaughn shown that he's an outfielder. If you package some of those guys together that are not really going to be a big part of the future plans and you could get a Brian Reynolds, that is an absolute steal if Rick Hahn can pull it off. And, and to be honest, they can sell that in Pittsburgh because he had a terrible 2020. He had an atrocious oh, yeah. he 2020, last year. but he's one of those guys that when you look at what he's doing early on in the season, throw that out and put him out there. He's going to play a good defense for you. He can hit in the bottom part of your order without a problem. Heck, he hits in the middle of their order. So, I mean, like you, you can drop him down. He would just fit in nice for you and he'd be a nice piece going forward. I mean, imagine the idea that he could be your future right fielder down the line and you have a little bit of control over him when you do like, that's the kind of guy that I would, I would turn around and I would trade three prospects for. I mean, heck I would trade him crochet right now. If somebody asked me, would you trade, what would you trade for a guy like Brian Reynolds? I'd be like, I'll give you Garrett crochet, Jake Berger and, uh, and, and, and another player that's in the bottom, bottom 15. I would do that right now. Somebody's going to be like, that's way too much, Chris. Why? Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network has all kinds of different podcasts on there, and it also has an insurance podcast on there called the ZMAR Podcast. And before you get to, uh, come on, Chris, I, I I can't do insurance podcasts. I mean, that is a, I mean, maybe if I wanted to fall asleep uh, and sleep soundly on my pillow. It's actually very interesting. Butch Zemar does a great job on it. Check out the Zemar podcast. He, he kind of breaks down how health insurance works from a high and a low level thing. Uh, I've learned an awful lot of things about how I've been doing things wrong just personally within my family and and how we spend our money and how we look at doctors and medical bills and things like that. But the most important thing is that if you're a CFO, HR professional or owner of a company and you are looking to try to make that health insurance thing a reality for your employees or you don't like how things have been going with the current health insurance plans that you have, Butch is a broker. And he sits down and he figures out exactly what plan or plans work best for you and your employees to save money for everybody. Get in touch with him now. Shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net, or give him a call today, 708-535-3006. I think the Sox put Burger in AAA just because they want to show they want him to do well because I think he's a trade piece. Where is he going to play in the future? He's not He's not your third baseman of the future. That's Yohan Moncada. He's not your first baseman of the future. That's Andrew Vaughn. No, or, where is he going to go right now? If they can build him up into a trade piece and convince people that he's doing well and he's at the AAA level, he's getting dealt, I think. The move to me, though, is why are we waiting? Well, that, that's my point is, is that if you're waiting for the price to come down. I don't think it's coming down. No, because everybody knows you're going to need it unless you don't need it. And then if you don't need it, you're not making the trade. The, listen, the whole world knows you're without two star players. The whole world knows you have high expectations on you. The whole world knows how your owner operates when it comes to money. The whole world knows your manager is a disaster right now. What, how are you going to convince them otherwise in a month? especially after they've gotten a month of, of proof that Larry Garcia and Billy Hamilton and whoever else you throw out there in the outfield isn't going to be good enough. You're going to strengthen them. 
You know, like right now, I believe it. I, I'm I, the more we talk about it, I believe it. Rick Hahn is nervous that if he trades a prospect, it's Tatis all over again. And he's, you know, I would imagine that after you've drafted players and developed players and you have hopes for players, that it's hard to move on from them. And when you take the amount of criticism he took about Fernando Tatis, it's hard to move on. And when you're shell-shocked by ridiculous moves that your ownership has made in recent years, from the Machado debacle to the to the, to the the LaRusa hiring, I can see how every once in a while it's hard to pull that trigger. But I feel like somebody needs to walk into the office, give Rick Hahn a firm slap across the face, and say, do it. Okay? It's okay. Do it. What do you have to lose? This guy's never firing you. He never fires anybody, all right? And I don't think you set the team back exponentially if you break a few eggs to make an omelet and fix what the problem is. To me, and it doesn't need to be the guy that we're talking about right now, but that's a great example because I, you know, I I I I look at a guy like Reynolds and I look at the fact he's got a couple more years of control on him and I look at what he did last year and I look at what he's capable of and what need, I mean, he can play every position in the outfield. So and, and, and he could go in and he could slot in and he could play there, but then he's also somebody you could be using later on down the line. Don't pick up Eaton's option and put him in right field next year. And so, like, to me, there, there's a move there. I guarantee you if he made that phone call or it, on Reynolds or any other player, he was given a price. I would, I'm telling you right now, I believe in my heart of hearts that if I saw what the price is right now for some of these players, there's at least one or two packages that I'd be like, yeah, do it. And I don't think it's going to ruin your team for the next 10 years to do it. Okay, you're not the Cubs giving up Eloy Jimenez when he really is the only thing that's left in your system. Like when the Cubs dealt Jimenez and Cease, what else did they have behind them? Well, they had nothing there. And and that's why it was such a, you know, it was such a coup for the Sox to get that trade. I think that's why, like, Chicago baseball fans, White Sox fans, because we will hear things about the other team. Why we're so nervous about trading prospects? Because we saw, well, they traded her two prospects and look how bad things are for them. But that's all they had. You know, the Sox, the Sox don't have a lot of high-end talent, but they've got an awful lot that's in the pipe. And we just had James Fox on, who was explaining what's down there in single A that's coming in two, three years. There's already another wave that'll be coming here in a few years. And you have your young talent up in there playing. You're at the beginning of your window. You're not where the Cubs are. You can make that move. You can make a move right now and deal a couple of players that you're going to be like, man, it sucks to lose that guy. And he might go on and have a great career. But what are you what are you saving all these players for? You only get to put twenty six on the roster. You're, there's only so many years of life that we have. There's only so many seasons in the sun. It's okay, and I I honestly am so scared that he's afraid to pull the trigger because 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 of all the things that have happened to poor Rick on. Like I feel like Rick goes home and hugs his emotional support dog and sits there in the corner. And just stares off into the into the, like the corner of the room at a spot on the wall, and just loses himself every day when he comes home from work. And I I I need him to snap out of it and make a move. I'm going to speak now on behalf of all White Sox fans, especially because they can't hit me on Twitter with mean tweets anymore because of that whole thing. <laughs> don't don't mean tweet anymore. Twitter's going to take away all of White Sox Twitter. Rick Hahn, White Sox fans, we were just giving you a little ribbing about the whole Fernando Tatis thing. Right, nobody believed he was going to be good. Nobody knew he was going to be the best player in baseball. <laughs> nobody, you didn't know. The Padres didn't know. They thought they were just getting some warm body for a guy in James Shields that they didn't want anymore. 
Right. We know, buddy. We know. It happens. And if you trade Jake Berger and he turns out to be Albert Pujols 2.0 for the Pirates, which he probably won't be, that's okay because if Brian Reynolds helps us win this year and it actually succeeds, nobody's going to remember that. If Mitch Haniger helps you win this year, if you if you make a move that helps your team win this year, if you make it to the pennant and fall short of the World Series, what we need right now is to feel like you're doing something. I know for a fact, like the, this whole narrative, that, well, teams don't know what they're doing yet because they, it's early in the season. The Pirates know what they're doing. <laughs> the Pirates know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> like there's, there's teams out there that know what they're doing. Okay, you're sitting around and waiting on this way too long, and you're waiting for this fictitious, yeah. like, lowering of the price that's never going to happen. Because guess what? There are teams that are going to have injuries, and now all of a sudden the surplus of outfielders they have are gone. Just like your surplus of outfielders is gone. I broke it down on mismatched socks this week. There are at least one or two teams in almost in, in every division, except for really the AL Central, where everybody's outfield is just kind of a mess right now. But... All the other divisions, I was able to find at least one team, if not two teams, that had players that should really be available based on the way their early seasons have gone in terms of guys emerging or having a surplus. And I don't know what the cost is, and I didn't play that game. But honestly, you know, a team like the Pirates, you're right. They know exactly where they're headed, and it's nowheresville. And so if you were to call them and say, pick three out of Charlotte. Right. And you get Brian Reynolds back, I'm cool with it. Right, who's untouchable in Charlotte? Honest to goodness, who's untouchable in Charlotte? Rick, it's okay. It's okay to make a move. It's also okay for all of you to go to SocksInTheBasement.com. It's very interactive. Leave us a voice message. Participate in the show. Catch up on old shows. Check up on what James Fox said about our minor league system. If you want to know about what we were talking about there, check out Mismatch Socks. You know, articles put out uh, once or twice a week by Ed, and he does a really great job. It's funny, but he also breaks these things down. You might want to look at the outfield surplus that's go that's out there right now that's available to the White Sox. The the Tati Sting, the Machado debacle, the injuries of Robert and Jimenez, the the forcing of Tony Larusa. I know it's hard, Rick. I get it. I understand what you've gone through over the last ten years. Okay, trying to get people to listen to you in there and they don't listen to you. It's okay. M- make the move. What you you only live once, Rick. Make the move. All right, it's out there. I believe you got something there. I, I We want you to make it. You'll get my full support right now, okay, if you go out and you make a move like what we talked about. This is Socks in the Basement. Check out all that stuff that I mentioned there, and make sure you check out Family Waterproofing Solutions, our proud sponsors, phone number on the logo. Uh, visit them at FAMWS.com. Mention us, get money off. And we are found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.